Good Friday morning, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and this is Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us. We are live in downtown Charlottesville on the I Love Seville Network, a show presented by Yes Realty Partners, and I want to give a good plug for Fincham & Associates, a brand and a company that you can count on, Fincham & Associates. Woody and his team are honest, reliable, experienced, sophisticated. They do what they say. They know the market inside and out. And they understand, frankly speaking, the business more than anyone I've met when it comes to appraising homes, real estate, land, you name it. He gets it. Judah Wickhauer is our director. If we can go to the studio camera and welcome the pros pros. Keith Smith is back. Woody Fincham is looking great. Gentlemen, good Friday morning. Good Friday morning. It, uh, it feels more like a Monday to me, but, but good Friday morning to everybody. Woody, thank you for being here, man. Um, I, uh, I've been looking forward to the show for a while because you, you're going to talk about some things that <clears throat> we normally don't talk about, right? right? And, and valuations that we normally don't talk about, like square footage and some other different valuations that are going to help maybe the real estate agents that are watching it and the, 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 the folks that are trying to buy and sell to kind of get a better bead on where the market is. So what, what you were kind enough to do was to put together um, an analysis for us, and Judah has some slides, and we'll buzz through them a little bit on it. But uh, I wanted to kind of turn it over to you and let you jump in where you want to start, and then I've got a bunch of questions I wrote down that I want to throw your way. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on today, guys. And uh, as always, it's, it's, it's fun to get in here and, and uh, mix it up a little bit about what's going on in the local market. We've seen a lot going on the last couple of the uh, weeks, um, a lot of investors, uh, we're working with a lot of investors right now that are buying residential in anticipation of the upzoning. So we're doing a tremendous amount of market analysis in that vein uh, currently. So it's, I'm happy to get in here and share some of this stuff. I think um, um, this and some more to come, I think, if, uh, every, yeah. if everybody gets an appetite for it, we'll be happy to do some more in-depth stuff as well. Uh, yeah, so Woody and I are, are, are and, and, and Jerry and the I Love Charlottesville Network and Real Talk with Keith Smith are working on trying to uh, produce more of a in-depth analysis that uh, folks can take a look at and, frankly, kind of beat everybody else to the market with, with data. So let's talk about medium. You know, everybody wants to go into medium sales price, and I think that's slide number one, Judah. So if you want to start there and kind of talk about... You know, you took a look at what happened as of the first of this month of September. Right. right. So everything that's in this chart, it's a little different than how you normally present it because you normally do quarters. The real uh, physical, uh, not physical, the real fiscal uh, information that the most economists use. We actually do a 90-day back all the way for a year. So this starts on September 1st and goes back from there. So it's a little bit different than what we normally present on the show. But me the, the median sales price here, which is... Um, uh, slide one. That this is uh, basically just what the median price is overall for the the car footprint. And that's going to include Louisa, Greene County, Fluviana, Charlottesville, and, uh, and Nelson. And is uh, that single family only? Single family only, no new construction. Um, and uh, you know, this is a good metric to use. A lot of folks use this, uh, but it can be a little deceiving sometimes because you're only looking at sales prices. You're not actually looking at anything. We're actually comparing anything. And um, uh, one of the metrics that we really like to use is the price per square foot methodology. Love uh, the price per square foot methodology. Yeah. We talking about that yesterday. Yeah. Why is that so underrated? 
Well, it gets overused a lot by a lot of agents because when you're dealing with homogeneous property where everything is really relatively similar, like Forest Lakes, price per square foot is actually a really good way to do it. But when you get into markets like, say, Farmington or Glenmore, where a lot of things are really just custom and different, it can be difficult to deal with because um, you've got things and it doesn't consider a lot of the individual characteristics within the home. It's just an overall. And on acreage land, too, it can really skew because if you've got 25 acres, price per square foot, right out the window. The only way to do acreage is to actually do what we call as the residual price per square foot, which is pull the land value out of each of the sales. And just and then, do the home. Yeah, and just do the home. Um, but uh, price per square foot is a great metric overall because what it does is it actually it's looking at something that's comparing one unit, of, um, uh, one metric to what's going on in the market. And it, sometimes it can be a telltale. What actually got Keith and I talking about this a couple of months ago, um, and Sitting on the board at CAR, I'm not attacking CAR whatsoever. I, I think CAR does a great job with their market report, but they use median sales price. And they indicated that green was actually regressing. Green is not regressing. If you, if you go in and do a metric on price per square foot, it's actually increasing, uh, and it's continued to do so. It, there's been some, some pauses occasionally in the market in green, but there's, we're, we're not seeing anything that I would call negative in that market well, whatsoever. You know. For the real estate agents and the buyers and the sellers, just try to buy something there, and that kind of tells you what it is. But you mentioned something about price per square foot, particularly yep. in this market. Yes. And you used uh, uh, an analogy on that, why square footage is more important now than maybe median sales price. It was a, it's a specific type of market that you think we're in. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's a better metric just because you're using a comparable unit rather than just an absolute number, which is the sales price. The absolute sales prices. Uh, can skew greatly because of um, you know the variances in price. Median, of course, is a better metric than average uh, or mean, but um, uh, price per square foot's better because it's going to lump things together the way they in a more comparable manner rather than just looking at a median sales price. You're looking at almost trying to drink from a fire hose with the data because yeah. it just kind of skews it together. So that's slide number two, Judah. So um, these numbers we're looking at, uh, that excludes new construction, right? Yeah, there's no new construction <clears throat> yeah, in any okay, of this. Great. So we're, we're single-family detached, no new construction. Right. The car footprint, which is Charlottesville, Albemarle, Fulvana, Nelson, Green, and Louise, if mm -hmm. I got it right, on that end of it. So, so we're looking at a medium square foot price of 230. I love the, you know, got, you love you data guys, point Zero one. Right. I love that. I noticed that as well. So, so again, the real estate agents that are watching this and trying to help valuation, because this is a phone call I get all the time, sure. and I refer folks out to you from other real estate agents. Hey, I'm, I'm having a trouble valuating this piece of property. Can you help me? Right. And these are from different brokerages. So, so tell me why they I've should. I've actually had a broker tell me that price per square foot should be discounted. Well, it's funny you should say that. And I, and I push back, and I mean, I'm not going to say who, but I, I push back to that broker. I was like, how do you discount a metric that can be used to, to essentially scale across many different types of houses? I push back on you numerous times on that. It's right? a tool, right? So it's, and, sometimes and, it's a hammer that you're trying to, to, to uh, put a screw in with, you know? It's not appropriate in every situation, but it can be a relative conversation as well. But you used a specific term about the market that we're in, right? And and it, and the way this particular market is moving and the speed that it is moving, yes, that maybe square footage is a better way to look at it. And and from my thinking, because <clears throat> I'm 
old, and I was thinking old way of looking at this. Uh, you know, I kind of discounted square footage, mm-hmm. and I always was taking a look at, at, at the price. So, so why is the shift, and is the shift going to go back? Um, I don't. We are in a transitioning market right now. That's just, the term I was trying to. I just get. got done with a study. I did a desktop uh, analysis for an agent who's trying to price a property out in River Oaks, and we're finishing that up for them today. Willow Oaks, uh, River Oaks, River Oaks, out in yeah. Louisiana. It's the Ryan subdivision across the street from the main gate at, at Lake Monticello, and uh, and I've appraised probably sixty seventy percent of the houses in there because we work with NBR all the time, and. We actually appraised this property when they bought it three or four years ago, and it's gone up tremendously. Double digits gone up, and uh, but I'm starting to see the underpinnings of that market starting to slip away a little bit. Um, we're seeing longer days on market. We're seeing uh, sales that are selling lower than they probably should sell for based on data, which means the market's appetite's changing a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a bad job while ago of explaining why price per square foot matters. Um, more so, I think, um, when you're doing trending, like what we're doing in these charts, uh, more so than absolute sales price, just think about it like this. And, and this is what threw the green stuff off in, for the car chart. I want to take a quarter. deeper dive into that. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, what, what happens is just imagine that you know, a bunch of property comes on the marketing and gets absorbed that is all really low price point or it's really high price point. If that's the majority of what happens in the, in the um, course of you know, six, seven, eight months, then it'll skew the market in that direction. Um, where price per square foot is actually going to, you know, it lumps, it, it deals more with uh, the scales and, and the different levels of quality and condition and things like that as well. So, you know, it's going to put things together in a more um, understandable manner. So I, I think it's a better metric uh, to, to really use. So, sorry, I went all over the place with you there, Keith. No, it was good. <laughs> Man, brother, you're doing great. Al Mariachi, the team over there is watching. Eric Thompson, welcome to the program. Viewers and listeners, you can ask the pros, pros question. Dr. John Shave, the owner of Pro Renata, co-owner, watching the program. Katie Pearl, hello. That email is forthcoming, Katie Pearl, I promise. Chad Wood, hello. Lisa Costello, hello. Welcome to the program. Andre Xavier, this show is up your alley. Jamie Turner, the real estate investor. Brent Lillard, the commercial investor. Welcome to the program. A lot of commercial in the program. Rob Hubbard, the Esquire, welcome to the show. Woody Fincham is the guy in this community for appraising property. Fincham & Associates, Woody, the show is yours. Appreciate it, man. I really do. Um, getting imposter syndrome, hearing all this laudatory stuff. <laughs> Did you um, say laboratory? Laudatory. Oh, okay. Sorry, my hearing aids picked up. Roger Voisinet so. says, this is great information, Woody. He is sitting at the edge of his seat looking for more from you. Man, I, I figured you'd be watching a hockey game, Roger. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. So um, uh, moving on to, if, Jude, if we can look at um, slide number three. Uh, this is a metric that I don't really see a lot of folks talk about either, which is days on market. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got two charts in here. There's one that's for sales and one for actives. And there's a big difference between the two of them right now, uh, which is meaning to me that the market is probably decelerating a little bit. Um, so, so before we get into that, so let's, let's talk about the difference between the traditional DOMs and the active DOMs, because yep. you had to give me an education about sure. that. About that. Um, so for the folks that are watching and listening, why is the difference? Because the regular DOMs are showing seven currently, but the actives are showing 43. So what's, what's the difference and why do we have sort of different set of numbers? So this is a very important thing, particularly for appraisers. And I think this is where a lot of appraisers 
owners um, kind of get a black eye because they spend too much time on sales. Of course, sales are important. That indicates what the market's absorbed at. And so, you know, uh, the sold days on market are important, but they give you a retrospective perspective of the market. The actives, however, give you what's going on right now. And if you're starting to see a lengthening in the actives, which we are currently seeing, that tells me that the market's probably putting the brakes on a little bit. I don't think we're in any serious there's no issues with the market right now in a negative manner, but it's just slowing down. Some. But the delta, and I think the point you're trying to make is the delta between the DOMs, right? So, so these DOMs are established by sales, right? Once yes. it sells, it's done. Exactly. The active numbers, the 43, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is how many days on market homes are active at this very moment, correct? Right. That, that, would, be the, that would be the overall footprint for the entire The area. overall footprint. <laughs> so what is active right now, so just, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, so the DOMs that you're showing on slide number two is this is closed, and this is what we're showing as the DOMs, but the actives are about 43, yeah. and the delta between the two is growing, and that's what we're talking about, yeah. right? we're seeing it starting to lengthen out some, uh, which means, you know, more of a normal market, if there's even such a term. I hate using normal market, but... <laughs> so it was interesting at the CEO conference up there, um, Dr. Lisa Sturrivant, gave a challenge out to 400 top CEOs in this industry and said, we're talking about what the absorption rate was. She was kind of geeking out on absorption rates yeah. and, and um, <clears throat> monthly, uh, excuse me, uh, total uh, inventory absorption, number of months, right? Right. And the conversation was, does anybody think six or seven months is the neutral market? What is it? And everybody in the room is back to three and between three and four months. Right. So, so as far as absorption goes, as far as inventory goes, everybody's now looking at a three to four month. That might be long for this market. <clears throat> right now it is. Right now. I would say a neutral market, and you guys are the pros. Pros, I just learned from you guys. I'd say a neutral market and, and the car footprint might be in the uh, 45 to 60 day range. I would agree 100%. That was the retrospective way of looking at it for sure. What's the new normal? I don't know. Uh, I mean, real estate's dynamic. It's like any market. And that's what I love about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting. That's what, why you guys stay collecting yeah. checks, because you have to stand. That's why we do it with the uh, infrastructure and the branding, because yeah. it's constantly changing, which means we're having to constantly learn. Yeah. And because we're constantly learning and other people aren't learning at the same clip as us, we're able to make a business around it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's interesting to see what's going on. I mean, we're still, you know... I'm looking at my data here. The sales DLM, and these are all median numbers, but I mean, the last three 90D periods were median of seven days on market. I mean, that's, you know, it's, that's a fast, fast market still. So uh, let me go back to this median thing, because one of the things that was also discussed by uh, Dr. Lisa Sturvin is uh, the, the differential between average and, and medium, and, right. and how... This market right now, it was so traditionally, you looked at medium, you looked at median. Um, right. I, I've, I've been doing it for decades, right? But she's now saying, you know, you can't really discount the average because it's really, you've got to take a look at both sets of numbers. What, why is she saying that for? So the average is going to be affected more by outliers, you know, things that are really high and really low. Uh, that may not norm be in the normal cluster of data. And that's what I'm seeing in this analysis that I'm doing out in, in Palmyra right now. I've got a couple pieces of data that are really high, a couple pieces of data that are really low, and then I've got a cluster in the middle. So in that situation, an average is going to get pulled depending on yeah. how far away one of those outliers. The greater the distance on one of those outliers means the further away from that central that it's going to be. 
We don't like it as much as median because a median is more neutralized a number where it's not affected so much by those outliers. But when you're in a transitioning market, when you start seeing those, because they're both measures of what we call central tendency, right? So the further they, those numbers start getting apart means that the market's transitioning in some way. So average is very relevant uh, to what we're talking about. Uh, but when everything, like we were a year and a half ago, average was not a useful number because everything was just going right out the door. There was no problems with interest rates. Everything was, it was the most efficient market we've ever seen. But now we're getting into a less efficient market, and so there's going to be a greater pull on those averages. And the averages can indicate that, yeah, we're, we're definitely heading in a different direction. Fantastic explanation. Well, that was excellent. That, this is why today's deep dive is so important, right? You know, because at the end of the day, unless it's a cash transaction, which, by the way, there's a huge amount of them, but unless it's a cash transaction, you and your industry is involved in this, right? And for us as real estate agents, right, and folks that are trying to help set prices, and I'm just looking at what just changed on, there was 42 uh, price changes in the last seven days, which is telling me, people are not getting the prices right going right. into the door, right? And this is where get this knowledge it will be helpful. By price changes, he, he means reductions, folks. Thank you very much. Well, I think the new term is price improvement. Yeah, or price <laughs> modification. Yeah. <laughs> That's called branding right there. There you go. Um, comments, the prices are being lowered. This one's a good comment from Scott Thorpe, um, commercial guy. Does Woody have price per uh, square foot on new construction? I can get those numbers for sure. Um, we, because we're putting out a lot of new information that we've never had on the show before, we wanted to kind of, kind of give you a, more of a 20,000-foot view of it rather than get too deep on it. But if we get some positive feedback on this, we'll do some deeper dives on this for so, sure. So, so folks out there watching and listening, DM everybody here. You know, we're, we're, we're going to be doing this once a month. We're going to take a day and take a super deep dive into certain specific areas to help folks to, to kind of track. Nobody else is doing this. Uh, out there in the marketplace, so we're trying to do this and share this with, with everybody. So, you know, if we have some of that information, please send it that way. We'll take a look at it. But you've got two other things you look at, yep. which most people don't look at, and I'm pretty sure, at least I know I didn't until we got into a deep dive on sure. this, is your concession percentage yes, and then your contribution percentage. Right. So uh, if you could keep it at my level, which is about third grade, if you could keep at a third grade level, if you can explain what's, what they are and what's the difference and why do they impact the market value. So the first number with concessions we look at is how many sales are actually transacting with concessions. Are they actually, um, you know, is it 20% of all the sales, 30% of all? The higher the number, of course, would indicate the more softer the market may be, meaning that, you know, you may get a full list price on it, but if you're paying 3% closing cost on the concession side, then your sales price minus that 3% is the actual value of that transaction from a cash basis. So let's explain concessions real yep. quick. So concessions are when the seller basically pays for a buyer's Closing costs. You can buy down points. Buy down yeah. points. It's a list of certain things. So if a price is, home is listed for a dollar and you're doing a 3% commission, my little brain, I can do this pretty simple. It's three cents. <laughs> right. right? The, so whatever 3% of that amount of money or whatever it is. Th this word concession, Jerry, is going to be so important mm -hmm. in the next 12 months. Because all of these lawsuits that are, are getting settled and about ready to get settled is going to change 
our world and rock our world here. Do we want to touch on those? We, we are. We're going to do that on I Monday. I got my wrist slapped when I brought that up a couple of months ago. Yeah, well, since, the, since there was a settlement in the middle of the CEO conference, we could do that. But that's a, that's a Monday show. I want to talk to you about it. And it wasn't a wrist slap by Keith. It was actually a wrist slap by one of the brokers tied to a firm that was in the lawsuit. Yeah, well. And I said, you know what? This it, is my show. I'm going to talk about whatever I want. <laughs> well, so, um, uh, and then you know what he said? Okay. Okay. <laughs> but um, we do need to be careful because there's still pending lawsuits and all that kind of great stuff. But there is one that got settled, so we can talk about that. I'm disappointed. But, I'm going to be in Milwaukee on Monday. I'd really like to tune in. I'm going to have to listen to it well, afterwards. I, uh, I, I need to go through a bunch of notes from sitting down with a cocktail with CEOs from some of the major companies talking about this. So that, that's a Monday show. But let's stay on. Yeah, for sure. Let's stay on making. So let, let's talk about concessions a little more in depth, too. Um, and this is very important for any of the agents listening. Repairs that need to be made that the seller are going to make to a property to help it transact are not concessions. So if you knock off 20 grand for a roof and you sell it lower and they're going to replace the roof immediately after purchase, that's not a concession. Um, I know sometimes when we call agents and, and ask them about the concession information, they'll say, oh, yeah, there was, you know, they gave them a $6,500 allowance for flooring or something like that. That's not a concession. That, that's, uh, that's a condition uh, issue um, that we would, as an appraiser, we would look at it in a, in a different manner do, than do a concession. appraisers look at condition, right? When you walk oh, through absolutely. a house, absolutely. right? So, so let's get this out. We got location, price, features, right? Condition is what we're talking about. Sure. Timing and who's on the other side matters. Yeah. So when an, a lot of people don't realize that when you walk through a, a property and the condition is not up to speed. That has a value impact, right? It absolutely does. Now, that's been minimized the last several years because, you know, there's no one, everybody's trying to get a house. So they're willing to overlook, overlook, you know, blemishes and things like that. And they go, you know what? We like the school district. We like this. We like that. We're just going to get it. We'll but it impacts it valuation, though. That's the it point can. I'm trying to yeah. make. Well, less so in the last couple of years, more so as the market's evolving forward now. Because as the market does start to soften some, condition's going to play a big deal. Because you're saying less so in the last few years because the negotiated price, the agreed-upon price, is going to trump the condition. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, people are overlooking condition, whereas in a, in a, in a stable market or more stable market, they would not. In, they're, they're, they're really, there's more competition, so they can go, you know what, we don't like this one because the paint's all wrong. You know, we're going to have to spend ten grand painting it after we buy it. But this one over here is just like it, and it's got brand-new paint in it. So we're going to go over here instead. So Yoon <laughs> and Steravent were sharing data numbers to, to support that. Mm -hmm. Prior to, people didn't really care about the condition. Right now, because of the interest rates right. and the sales price, the homes have to be in prime condition. Yes, yes. And I think the, the point you're talking about, though, if you go ahead and spend $5,000 to paint the house up, you're not necessarily going to get five thousand dollars out in the back end in valuation. No, but it may add, it may add a, a, a whole lot of markability and curb appeal to the property. There you go. You know that there's not a really a value so much there, but the, but yeah, the ROI or the return on investment of that particular maintenance item is not necessarily going to equate into that much value. According to NAR, National Associated Realtors, people make decisions within five to seven seconds. Hmm. So when they walk in, and it starts from when they get out of the vehicle and look at that house, that five to seven seconds uh, kicks in. And, and one who's walked people up properties, you can see. You can just watch the whole body language just go whoop. 
Well, and that's uh, that's psychology of the transaction yeah. that I'm learning today. That's great. Yeah, it's worth worth getting out of bed. Eric <laughs> Thompson says this, and Eric Thompson, the best place to put these uh, these uh, comments is not necessarily DM to me, but it's in the comment section on any of the Facebook pages you're watching the show on. I get those aggregated with our software. He says, Woody, um, a data-driven show is perfect. I would love this. Make it regular. And he asks, can we share the PowerPoint and the source of your data? So we'd love to see the PowerPoint. I think you're going to archive that where? On Real Talk with Keith Smith. <coughs> Excuse um, me. Uh, so if you take a look at uh, my Facebook posts or Real Talk Facebook, they're actually, I buried them in the, in the, in the post. And the data source is CAR, right? You're using yep. CAR as a data source. And, and the genius is Woody, who's putting them all together. Which is really easy for me. I don't have to do it anymore. Right. Woody's the pro's pro. I mean, he's the guy. Well, I'm smart enough to, to get hooked up with somebody and really knows what they're doing. We, uh, we, we did a deeper dive on all the data that we have here today. We're, like I said, we're just doing a 20,000-foot view of it right now. Uh, any of you out there listening or watching, if you want the rest of the data that I ran for this show, I'm more than happy to provide it to you. Just email me. Uh, don't text me because I'll forget to get back to you. Grayson says, what's your website? Woody. Uh, WoodyFincham.com. So what we'll do is the rest of the data, because it's like, it was like 20 pages or whatever, yeah. where I'm going to ask uh, Judah to, to put up on the website on the market reports, and then, sure. then we can share it that way. Great. So that's where, that's where it's going to be. So back on concessions. Yep. So we're saying between zero and three months, right? So the last 90 days, 21.4% of all transactions yep. had some sort of concession. That's true. So... Interesting. You compare that back to what forty? Excuse me, forty months ago, that was seventy percent. So we went from seventy percent, roughly four years ago, to twenty-one percent. Why is that? Uh, well, the, I'm sorry, Keith. I was trying to find. Okay, that no worries. Repeat so, that real quick for me. We'll do. So between month 37 and 39, so you're working everything backwards, yep. right? From today back 48, True. 48 months. So, so the, the, the initial start of this chart is showing 70% of concessions. Today, we're at 21%. Yes. So that's a pretty wide delta. Oh, it really is. But, you know, you go back uh, 37 to 39 months ago, we were in a much different market than we are right now. I mean, that was... Um we were what that would have been right after COVID started. So the market was transitioning from pre-COVID into the COVID market. So yeah, concessions would have been a more popular thing back then because buyers were expecting that. And you know, VA is a very steadfast type of financing too. And there's always concessions on VA because there's certain things the veterans can't pay for that they require to come out of the transaction amount. So which another, I don't, another thing for Monday, Monday's show, um, the Dr. Suravent was talking about a W market, which we're going to kind of take a little deeper dive into into it. Whereas after COVID, we were talking about a V, and it pretty much happened. So we're going to kind of describe a little bit about what the W market that she. Oh, you mean like a sawtooth movement with exactly seasonality? Right. Yeah, and it's going to flatten out flatten out on it. So we're out here. It's, she thinks it's going to take a, a, a dive. She's not super bullish on the market right now. Is she? she thinks, well, she, she is and she isn't. It's very interesting. And Dr. Sturdivant is the uh, chief economist for Bright. That's true. And yeah. Bright is this uh, synonymous, um, how would you characterize Bright? So Bright, to- Bright is a regional MLS. It yeah. covers most of the Northeast, a little bit in the South. 
It's probably the largest. Bright's got market share. It's probably the largest. They partnered with. We, we um, call them the Borg because they assimilate every MLS out there. <laughs> and they partnered with the California MLS, which is the largest in the country. Yeah. So they have a really good footprint. So she runs the whole the whole economic. So, you know, when she speaks. People listen. You, you need to listen, listen to yeah, her. Yeah, she's a true economist in the sense that um, she's, they call it the dismal science for a reason because when you're doing econometrics, you're looking at data and you're letting the data tell the story. You're not trying to orchestrate a story around the data and just using the data as a prop. Which, which I'm going to say this, you're not saying this, um, Dr. Yoon does that. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that. <laughs> he looks at things through a rose-colored uh, lens because he's the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors, <laughs> well, look, look, and he is working for realtors. And, and I had cocktails with both of them yeah. last week. Look, his job is very political. Yes. Um, uh, I mean, you and I watch on CNBC all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that it, guy's the guy yeah, when it comes yeah, to real estate. Yeah, yeah. And... and Look, you know, what, what did you call it? The dismal science? The dismal science, the yeah. The dismal science of it. But I'm, I've actually wrote it down, a quote from, and yes, I can write people. Uh, uh, you can read that? Yes, I even. <laughs> she, she said, let tell stories with data. Yeah. So let data tell stories. And that was my premise for, for today to kind of tell a story a little bit about it. But back on the contribution, right? So yep. these, these are like... 2% numbers, 1% numbers. So that's slide number six, Judah. Explain that to me one more time, right? What, what exactly is the impact on the market and contributions from it? Is it that something we as real estate agents should be looking at? Or yeah, what, I what think, should we do? I think in a more competitive market where there's, there's ample inventory and, you know, again, getting back to that quote-unquote normal situation, um, you're going to see um, the amount of concessions are usually going to be a bit higher uh, and there'll be more of them. So the percentage that we're looking at on chart on slide six, this is basically just saying this is how much of the transaction amount they're paying in concessions. If you go back to that, you know, where we were showing seventy percent of the market, it was actually lower than it is now at one point four percent. But you know that that mean, but there was also more participants, sellers that were willing to pay those concessions. Uh, a lot of sellers have not been willing to pay concessions for a while now. Uh, and that's why we, we're down to, what, 20% or so uh, on all transactions having I'll be honest with you. I didn't expect to see 20%. I didn't either. Did you, Jerry? I, I didn't expect that at all. Yeah. 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 I, I, I expected as close to zero as, as we can well, get. Well, again, VA, we're a DOD state, so VA transactions still, there's a large amount of them, and all of those are going to have a concession of some kind on them, generally speaking. Yeah, but VA is, is not a huge... Uh, percentage of the market. I mean, I could just take a look at the last seven days real quick. Sure. On uh, While somebody else talks, we had 51 units closed in the last seven days, and I can tell you how much was cash and how much wasn't here in a minute. Yeah, this, market, this market is shifting, yeah. and it's shifting pretty quickly here. Um, seven, seven, excuse me, Jerry, seven were cash, 38 were conventional, uh, two FHA, one non-specified. So out of the 50, only three were VA. Okay. So that's that, but that's in the last seven days. So it's less than ten percent. So um, I mean, I, I I lean on VA heavily because I'm a VA panel appraiser, and it's the steadiest mortgage business that we have right now. I mean, people in the VA uh, with VA benefits are still refinancing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I I'm shocked at how many refinances we actually see. So back to the O shifting of, of the of the market. I uh, you know I, I need to ask you the crystal ball question. <laughs> um, 
right? Where do you, you know, you've looked at these numbers, you're in numbers all day long. You know, uh, you know, my assumption is, my analysis is, is that this inventory restriction that we have on or constriction or lack thereof is probably f five to ten years down the, the road. Is, sure. Is, is, are you seeing the same same thing? Well, with what um, the economists from the National Association of Home Builders, I cannot pronounce her name and I apologize. <laughs> um, uh, wonderful economist as well. I mean, th their data on what's going on with the, the supply and demand with new construction, um, they're not expecting there to be enough uh, inventory on the market to, to suit need at least through, what, 26 or 27? 2025. Yeah, so that's when it's going to start, but, I mean, yeah. we won't see that starting to decline at all. Of course, then we're going to get into that shift between the millennials and all that um, and the next generation behind them. Uh, there's just not going to be as many people as active in the market, you know, 10 years down the line. Where do I see us in the short term? I think that prices are going to remain up. I think interest rates, uh, and I do disagree with Dr. Yoon on this, and this is just anecdotal. I don't have any support for it, but I don't think we're going to be back down into a mid-six uh, percentage uh, basis um, by January, February. He's saying that Yoon is saying mid-six by Q1, yeah. start of Q1? Yeah. Not a chance in hell. I don't think so with what I'm seeing right now. I mean, that's more of a Scott Morris question, but... Uh, well, um, what's... But I, I'm, I, I honestly think that there's going to be another rate hike coming up. Yeah. Oh, there's definitely another rate hike. We're expecting yeah. another 25 The basis. official answer, that's a 50-50 chance. This may not happen the next go around, but I can tell you about Christmas time it's going to happen. That's what I'm saying. Out. And for those that are saying that there's not going to be another rate hike, I'm like, what's, what's in that pipe? Well, what that's going to do, and we learned this yesterday. The rate hike's going to time with Christmas spending and really F people up. Well, that's what's going to happen. Because people put the Christmas spending on credit cards. That's what they do. They did show that yesterday that the um, uh, revolving debt for credit cards is going up. More yeah. people are using their, their revolving credit to pay bills. Well, because they, they got all this cash. Oops, spent all this cash. And now they're just spending more, more money into the cash. The, the crazy, here's the crazy. This is a, such a dichotomy. We have Americans. We talked about this on yesterday's show. American homeowners on average have $200,000 in equity in their house. Yeah. This is macro. Yeah. We have Americans have the most equity in their homes Ever. in the history of America now. The only time that was, you know, right there was peak 2022. Okay. So most equity in their homes now, but also the highest credit card debt in American history right now. And if I was in the mortgage business, I would be chasing HELOCs and, and branding and positioning myself as the HELOC maestro. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're actually working with a mortgage company as a consultant right now that are, they've gotten into the solar. They, they've been doing the solar loans for solar panels on homes, and they're a national company. Uh, and they're, now they're, they're going to try to convert all those um, what they call UCC1 loans, which are it's bad for the consumer in the sense that it, it makes the uh, panels part, they're collateral to the, to the property so it, for the loan. So if they default on that loan, the company can come in and take the panels away. So they, don't any, they can't add value because they're not part of the real estate because they don't have full ownership rights to them yet. So they're converting all those over to traditional mortgages now. And uh, that, that, that's interesting that a big company like that's going in that direction. So, so for, I love Woody. for agents out there mm -hmm. that are trying to help clients buy, or excuse me, help clients put homes on the market and hit valuation, right? So you're suggesting for them to start looking maybe a little bit at the square footage price, right? They got to do it smartly, right? So yeah. if, if, if I'm looking at a lot, a home at Lake Monticello and another home at Lake Monticello, right? And, and so the similar square foot, excuse me, similar square footage, lot size, 
That's a good number to start looking at right it's now. It's good as long as it's used correctly. Now, you don't want to, like, let's just, there's two major types of property at Lake Montecho. There's the colonial two-story, and there's the ranch basement, with a basement. If you're comparing, if you're looking at a house that's a ranch with a basement, only use those kind of properties. And don't go to the acres if you're in the regular section. Don't go to a waterfront hey, if you're not in that section. Some guy lives in there. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the acres. Um, when, you, when you put it up for sale, I think we're going to buy oh, it anyway. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Yana, if, if you're ready. No, she's, out, she's in Austin at a leadership conference, so she's not watching. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you want to use like to like. You don't want to compare a pair to an apple. I mean, and that's the mistake a lot of agents will make. I know when we get a reconsideration of value sometimes uh, where we're not able to support contract, agents will send us over comps that are based solely on price per square foot. But if it's, you know, if I'm doing a ranch and you're sending me over colonials, those aren't comparable properties. Man, I, this is maybe the right format to do this, but I would love to do a live See, you know, way you do a CMA using Paragon and how to go yeah. ahead and, and do that because that's what happens. You really need to make sure that you, you narrow down, you know, comparables. You're not using more acreage or less acreage and, and so forth and so on. There's a ton of agents that are pros out there that know how to do that. Sure. There's some of them that do not. Yeah. And this would be a great opportunity to, to go and help that. So we'll have to figure out a way to go ahead and. And and do that. That's but, a Judah question. Can we actually do a, a screen share where we can put it on live? That is a Judah question. But we can talk about it later. I just that's, that's what. Yeah, I'm that is a Judah question. Judah's head. Yeah, just went here. <laughs> Let's talk about it later. He said we'll talk about it. Um, comments. Put the comments in the feed, guys. We'll relay them live on air. Carly Wagner, welcome to the program. Carly Wagner is going to join us on the talk show um, later this month. We're excited to have her on the show. Sarah Hill Buchensky watching the program. Ray Cadell watching the program. Dude, you guys have a boatload of real estate investors on this show right now. I count seven that I know of watching the talk show right now. Woody Fincham is a guy that you, could, you should contact for appraisals, guys. Carol Thorpe watching the program. Hey, Carol. She says, <clears throat> a happy client of Keith Smith. Oh, very much so. Wonderful people. Uh, she says, a house next door to mine, Woody, went in the market went on the market. It was built in 1979 and abused by its last two owners. It was spruced up and put on the market August 17th for a ridiculous $470,000. And sold. Clearly, the owners are seeking to recoup 100% of their fix-up costs, but nobody's interested. Okay. We have not seen a single buyer come to tour, and they just knocked 10k off the asking price with the house already floundering three weeks on the market. Carol Thorpe, we appreciate you sharing that. Can you let us know if you could the uh, neighborhood? And I just responded to your uh, friend request, Carol Thorpe. Let us know the neighborhood. That would be great. I'm starting to see, and you guys have talked about this, not only the price modifications, homes are starting to stay stickier. Yeah. Well, that, that's the point. This is the important part about the DOMs. And I got admonished years ago by other brokers that I rely a lot on DOMs. Um, it's easy for me to understand. It's easy yeah. for me to look at. Um, it's easy for me to, to equate a quick absorption. It kind of tells you who's getting the market right and who's not getting the market right at a given at a given moment. <clears throat> but um, you know, uh, I, I really did not look at the difference between you know the actives and 
and the souls. I kind of focus on the souls, and, and in our conversations, you've recruited me a little bit to start thinking about away from that because of the fact it's 45 days old, it's 60 days old, right. it's 30 days old, right? It's not reflective of what's happening now because the market's moving, moving so well, fast. Well, I, I think that because the market was going the way that it was, a lot of professionals on the sales side were just knee-jerk responses of, hey, this has been on the market for 25 days. There's something wrong with it. We're not even going to look at it. You know, I don't, That's what's happening now. Yeah. Um, I, I think we've got more discerning consumers out there. I mean, they... They have to be. Yeah. It's I mean, so costly. I mean, what did... Uh, uh, was it Yoon or the... Uh, the, the other economist yesterday at the at our meeting had mentioned that uh, every time we go 25 basis points up, we eliminate a million buyers from the market nationally. Yeah, yeah every, every every you guys should consider um, every time they do a rate hike like this, how it impacts people from like an actual physical health and the deaths that it creates. That's a statistic that you guys should Google after the show. When they hike like they're doing, people die. Mm-hmm. The first job I ever had as an adult was working in a funeral home. Hmm. And anytime there's economic uh, stress or there's seasonal stress, like high temperatures or really low temperatures, it's amazing the amount of calls we would get at the funeral home base. I'm sorry to be morbid, but, no. but I mean, it, that's a reality. I mean, stress does uh, induce you know, people passing away. Yeah, that's, and, and it, the data's online there, not to get morbid either. But uh, So comments are coming in, um, fast and furious. This is a great one. You've touched on this briefly. Jonathan Galasso says, how does Woody do his job when it's a neighborhood of very custom and different homes? Mm. Does that make it more complicated for Woody? Very carefully. <laughs> um, when you get into custom, let's, let's talk about Farmington, a very exclusive market. There's a, a, a myriad of property styles in there. You know, some newer stuff, not new, but newer stuff. And then we've got some really you know, nationally recognized pieces of property like Allison Hall and those, those properties. Um, it's almost more of a qualitative comparison than, than a quantitative. Like in Lake Monticello and, and Forest Lakes, we can get very quantitative because I can, correlate, I can correlate, you know, numbers to how people are reacting. When you get into a custom market, very often an appraiser, because of the conservative nature by which we use uh, all of our techniques and methodologies, we're usually going to be under what someone's going to pay for a property in Farmington, particularly the higher-end ones, because there's um, that market's able to, to pay cash for almost anything they want. So, you know, it's a matter of people writing a check. So if, they, if, if someone's particularly moved to buy a piece of property, they do it out of emotion, and they'll pay more money for it. And it's not uncommon for a $5 million property to transfer out there, and then they'll spend almost a million dollars or more on it, making it their own after they buy it. I mean, a perfect example of that is the listing Tommy Brannick has right now in Farmington. Okay. There's, there's a Farmington listing right now. It's the only house on the market in Farmington right now on the market. There's a piece of land by Macon Gunner um, that's listed in Farmington as well. But Tommy's listing is, I think, and I'm looking at the MLS right now, 3250, 3250000 okay. It's 440 Oak Circle, 440 Oak Circle, five bedrooms, almost 52, call it 5,138 square feet. You're talking a price per square of $632. And if you flip through these photos, I mean, it's a it's gorgeous home, brick Georgian. Yeah, but it really you, is. If you flip through the photos, you will see that whoever buys this and spends this money, and it's, got, it's getting some DOM on it, is going to probably put in a million dollars to bring sure. it up to 2023 standards. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, this there's a lot of there's nothing wrong with this property. I don't want to sound like I'm being negative on it, but there's a lot of It's uh, just a price point standard. It's is what you're saying. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a dated interior and yes, look at the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's a specific taste to someone, and you see more of that in that custom market. That's as an appraiser, we call that use value, meaning that it's a value that's specific to some person. Like swimming pools are a perfect example of use value. You know, two out of fifty buyers want to want a pool. You know, they just don't want to buy a house with a pool. My wife has made the comment to me because I would love a pool, and she's made the comment to me, "We're not going to do that." <laughs> and why? Is because that? there's a, because of fear with the boys. That's exactly sure. right. And I'm like, well, we can build a fence around the pool. And she goes, I just don't want to have that stress on me. Yeah. Um, you know, that's to each their own, though. You know, if you buy a house with a pool, it's a great investment as far as if you're going to enjoy it. But if you're going to put one in, your ROI is, is if, you're, if you're interested in what you're going to be able to resell it for. It's and negative. Gonna get, yeah, you're going to lose money. Yeah, it's a, ne- it's a, it's a negative ROI well, for that it's, reason. Well, it's a 50-50 shot. Well, I mean, he called it two out of 50. Uh, yeah, I think from a... From a you know, from a, a boots on the ground kind of thing. My experience has been either half the people love it, okay. and half the people hate it. Right, and and there's know. also the maintenance and cost of maintenance. Well, I mean, what's the pool on average a, a year to maintain? Uh, well, we're talking thousands of dollars. Yeah, oh sure. And, and actually, since we are without children, we're empty nesters. I actually said to Yona, "Hey, well, let's put a little pool in the backyard because I like the water, I like the pool." And then I got the grandkids thing. No, we're not doing this. But in, <laughs> at Lake Monticello, we just go to the pool. Well, and that's what she said. Just go to Borsad if there's going to be a pool here. Eric Thompson says salaries are not keeping up um, with rental and home prices. Um, Jamie Turner, who is is a real estate investor, dude. Jamie, I straight up. Sincerely mean this. Jamie Turner routinely watches this program. This dude is on the cusp of innovation and where the market is going and on entrepreneurship and, and macro and microeconomic trends. He said, the pain is here and a lot more pain is coming. Um, and he also said, in regards to that house, the wood paneling, oof, 1970s cabinets and at that price point, which is you know kind of what we were saying with that listing. And I'm not throwing shade on the listing. Please, no one say that. But when you're dropping $3 million plus and you're going to have to put another mill into it, maybe that's why there's a little DOM on this particular house here. So add something to Farmington, because when you guys were talking, I looked it up. This, the last 12, ma- 12 months back, there was five sales. You want to guess how many of them were cash? I would say a good portion of them, all five? Five. Yeah. I mean, because of that price point and the wealth. The, 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 the luxury buyer right now, yeah. which just it's literally heard it. points on a loan. Just... Where they won't do that, and it's and it's really interesting. The luxury buyer is is buying multiple homes for cash, and they're doing mm-hmm. one home here, one home there, one home here on that end of it. But every so none of them would end up in Woody's world unless they want to negotiate an appraisal. You'd be surprised at how many diligence appraisals yeah, we'll do sure. on cash deals, though. So speaking about that, right? she says Oak Forest for that house that went on the market for four hundred seventy thousand. Carol, yeah, it's, it's Oak a stone throws stone throw across the street from Almarle. Carol Thorpe says Oak Forest. Thank I've you. lived in this neighborhood for twenty seven years. There's a house on the market that went on at four seventy, which you said was absurdly priced, and they just did a price reduction. Yeah. We'll look that up while we're talking. But, yeah, so the um, I was going to give a little shout-out to Woody here because um, I've referred you a bunch of times from these real estate agents that are calling yeah. me. So, t- so Thank you for so, that, by so, the way. My pleasure. Well, we're all, he- pro. we're all here trying to make the market better. Yeah. Right? 
Um, so talk a little bit about that because there was a couple of agents that, you know, couldn't uh, help navigate their client in value, right? Their, their seller had a different value in their head than maybe what they came yeah. up with. And so I suggested that they reach out to you. So t- talk a little bit about that. If an agent wants to use you to help evaluate the home, uh, how, how does that process work for you? So we've, uh, that's actually been a, a big pickup in business for us over the last couple of years um, where agents will get a difficult seller. And, you know, the seller's got an idea where the value should be or, or the sales price should be, rather. And they're going, you know, that's probably not possible. Uh, and the agent will do everything they can to convince their, their client to go in a different direction. And then, of course, the seller's hard-headed. They're like, no, we're not going to do it. Uh, and so we'll get a phone call on that situation often. And, you know, we go out and we'll run the numbers. And more often than not, we end up supporting where the agent's position was in the very beginning because, sure. you know, they're professionals. They know what they're doing. But for whatever reason, a lot of consumers are like, you know what? You're a salesperson. I don't, I think, I think I know better than you do. I mean, of course, Zillow and Realtor.com and all that, it arms uh, consumers with a lot of data. And they, sometimes they know how to read it. A lot of times they don't. Um, but, you know, I'll come in, support what the agent's saying, and then the homeowner will go, oh, okay, well, that's where we need to be. Uh, I mean, I just look at the Realtor.com and the Zillow data as a starting point. It's yeah. a starting point for a conversation to that, that should be transitioned then into a conversation with an expert like Woody. You know, it's like a barometer. It's, one, uh, it's a metric to consider. This dude is, actually has the boots on the street. So the next powerhouse in this business is CoStar. Yep. And I had a the cocktail with the CEO the other day, and they specifically do not do valuations in their in their systems, and they're moving to a whole a whole fee based uh, uh, a subscription based thing instead of you know what the Zillow Zillow is doing. CoStar's great, so uh, yeah, they're they're, they're gonna. They're, <laughs> I mean, what, what's the chuckle? They're great, but they are a monopoly, and they, oh, yeah. need, they need to be busted up. I mean, I'm sorry, Coast Definitely a monopoly. You know, them and LoopNet, when they, get, when they acquired LoopNet a few years ago, they hold the entire corner of the commercial, because uh, they're essentially a commercial MLS for those who don't know what CoStar is. Right, But right, now right. they're moving into, because they own Homes.com, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, used to be HomeSnap, and now it's Homes.com. I'd pay that fee, though, they for are, that content. It's a couple of, they don't, haven't set the number, but they announced it the other day that they're going to spend like a billion dollars. I meant the LoopNet. On the uh, thing, yeah, LoopNet is interesting. So look, uh, I just looked. Stephen Peters giving this dude props. Normally three weeks would not be termed as floundering. Property pimples have no effect in a heated market, but do affect a market that is more normal or a buyer's market. Who's Stephen Peters? Stephen Peters is one of my clients and dear friend. He's given a. Uh, I love property pimples. That's awesome. Property pimples. He's is, one of your clients too. Um, you're getting some props as well from Bevan, Seta, Bozovert. Yeah, Bevan. Enjoying all the real estate nuggets today. Show's fantastic. Good to see you yesterday, Bevan. Um, Nicholas Erpy dropping dimes over here. We love you, CMO Nicholas Erpy watching. You have, gentlemen, I'm going to get out of your way. You have a boatload of real estate investors watching the program right now. Woody Fincham is bringing the real estate investors to the program at a clip that I don't think I have seen in an Maybe, maybe ever here. Um, keep going, Woody. It must be the mustache that keeps Scott. You know, <laughs> it brings it brings everybody in. Um, where Stop were we? It. I'm sorry. This is a Stop great it. comment. From you just Woody. got excited about my mustache. People love Woody. This is a great comment from Eric. You guys need to do a show that teaches the general public how to extract, build, and read the data. 
that would be very, very beneficial. So thank you for doing that. So this like is a like a master class. So this is day one of that, right? So Woody, Woody and I are working on trying to build this. This is going to be once a month. Uh, so it's, it's typically going to be the Monday after the end of the month, but we had a little holiday last Monday. So, you know, Woody is going to put the data together. We're going to work over the weekend and then release where we are at that month and then start taking into these master class. But everybody's talking. I'm looking at Oak Forest, and um, I'm trying to take t test your square footage theory on that. So if somebody can talk for a second, I got a little couple of numbers. I got another here. address that people are looking for a case study on. Um, JT, thank you for sending this our way. Here's an address for you, Woody. 6248 Woods Lane. Eight is the, is the road name. So 624 is the number. E-I-G-H-T Woods Lane. And JT says $950,000 for a townhome. Mm -hmm. $950,000 for a townhome. Um, a year built, and I'm looking at the listing, year built 2017, HOA fees are $208 a month. It uh, just came on the market one day ago, price per square, $316, four bedroom, three and a half bath, 3,000 square feet, 950 ask. Um, a talented agent, Bunny French of Loring Woodruff has the listing. Yeah, that is a high price point for a town, but I mean... That particular neighborhood always has high price points for towns. Uh, I'm just trying to... What neighborhood is that? I'm trying to pull that up as we're talking. I mean, it's a beautiful home. Oh, so, for sure. And it still has got that new look and feel. I mean, the kitchen, you can tell. I mean, it's, this is a gorgeous home. So um, we're, all take, we're all doing this live and on the fly here, but I just took a look at Oak Forest, and thank you, Car Carol, for sharing that. So um, just taking a look at what has sold... In the last 12 months there, there was four homes that sold uh, back to uh, Woody oh. square footage. So the, the average square foot price on that was 212.64. The one that's listing right now is at 245. I'm trying to compare homes, make sure we're looking at apples to apples and pears to pears on that end of it. Um, but do you think you think that's kind of where we were kind of a little skew on the number on the on the number why this is on the market for a little bit longer than I think it should be. By the way, on the, on the sales, on the four sales there, the average, because I'm going to use average, uh, DOMs is 28. Okay. So we are, now, we are now 39, so we're roughly 10 days, 11 days. It's over. seasoning. I mean, it's seasoning longer than typical. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that should be indicating to someone that, hey, we might want to rethink our strategy on how we're putting this out there. Price is wrong on it. The townhome is in Kenridge, Ivy Road, yeah. across from uh, Borsad next to Farmington. Yeah, we've done a bunch in there over the years. Uh, it's a beautiful little subdivision of, of attached homes. Gorgeous subdivision. And, and, and the, the price, um, the sticker shock of 950000 there's a premium for that little corridor. Yeah. What, what, is, what is the premium for Ednam, Ednam Village, Kenridge, Farmington, and like Ivy right on the Charlottesville line? I mean, Bel Air's in there as well. I mean, what are you talking, like a 20 25% premium just for that quarter? Well, I mean, I'll put it to you this way. We don't go to other neighborhoods to comp those properties when we're in them because they are their own markets. Uh, Ednam is its own thing. Uh, Farmington's definitely its own thing. And there are sections in Farmington. They're not sections, but different niches for of sure. property in there for sure. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, 
I mean, there's a few estates that we've done that are outside of the subdivisions that are adjacent to Edna uh, and, and right across from Farmington, uh, like Cherry Hill and Windsor Hill. Um, those properties are super, super valuable because they are literally, as you are crossing that threshold from the, uh, the urban area and, or suburban area into the, into the rural area, just beautiful views from those properties. I mean, too. Great location, close to everything. Yeah. You have amenities right on the urban, in the urban ring, but in Almaro County. Hop skipping a jump from the University of Virginia. Yep. Interstate 64, the bypass. I mean, it's got it's got everything there. Um, Bevan says, thank you, Keith. Jeff Bentley jumping in the mix here. TV station down the road watching us uh, on Real Talk with Keith Smith. So, so um, this is live, so don't hold me to it, but um, they're looking at Go back on that oak tree or that oak forest. I've kind of took out basement versus no basement and so forth and so on. Right. on it. it looks like it's about 5 to 10% high on, on that end of it. Well, I think, she just I said think, they had a price reduction. Yeah. Uh, and you still think it's high? I think it's still high, yeah. It went from 470 to 460. Yeah, that, that's another thing, too. That I think she mentioned that this has been recently renovated, um, so they're trying to get their money back out of that. So. Well, that's back to, that's back to your contribution percentage, right? And yeah. that's also back to a show that Jerry and I did some time ago about what your ROI, your harvest. Well, that's something that an appraiser or a, a, a well-trained agent can help you with, too. It's called a feasibility analysis, you know? What could you get for it right now? What could you get for it fixed up if you have an idea of how you're going to fix it up? And what's the delta between the two? And with as high as the trades and materials are right now for contractors and what have you, a lot of times you're going to overdo it uh, if you're not careful. And if you don't make conscientious decisions to, you know, limit what you're doing to it, if you over over improve it and you're trying to immediately resell it, you're going to be negative on that, or you're not going to make as much profit on it as you would have would have otherwise. Well, I, I will tell you, um, I buzzed through the four that sold in that neighborhood pictures versus this. As far as as features and conditions, it's hands. It's way over the, right. the other units. I mean, unbelievably done done on it. So I just well, think it's just a little too high. Um, you know, lipstick on a on swine. You know, I mean, and not not that that neighborhood's a bad neighborhood or anything like that. But I mean, you can't treat something like a prized steer if you're in a you know in a regular beef market. You know, I mean, love that analogy. Woody Fincham dropping dimes. This this from Jamie. I've seen a few double wide homes sell for stick built value. Oh my God, that's crazy. What's does, going on that market? He, he says, does Woody see this trend retracting back to pre insanity levels where double wides do not appraise at the same rate of stick built? Well, they typically, hell the question. they typically don't. I mean, on new construction manufactured, which th- those are a, a thumb on a hand, uh, because how often does someone build one and then sell it? So most of the time, um, the costs on those and what the companies charge to build them are, are really high. They've gotten higher and higher and higher. Um, with Freddie Mac's new program about three years ago, they've got this new generation of manufactured home that's come out. Uh, and I think they honestly came out with it to actually look at places like Detroit where there was all this, uh, you know, browned out areas where, you know, there was nothing going on where you could get these really thin lots and set these manufactured homes on them. But what they did with that is they increased the quality of them to such a degree that they really aren't less expensive to build. Um, you can certainly put more, if you're a builder doing it, you can do more units per year. Um, but if you're going for high quality manufactured home, you're going to, you're going to be every bit as, as expensive as a, as a, um, a mid-price stick build anymore. It's, it's a crazy how much that, how that's gone up. Because they're dealing with the same thing everybody else is dealing with. Even though they, you know, uh, uh, what's the name of the company that um, Buffett owns that owns all the manufactured home companies? Um, gosh. My brain. I'll look it up. Um, 
Warren Buffett and his big company. <laughs> Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. The I big, thought you meant the specific company that yeah, owns yeah. the it, it's, uh, it's Clayton Holmes. Clayton it's, Holmes. Yeah, it's who they own. Yeah. And, like, shout um, out to our friend Jesse Rutherford. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, my God. Jesse Rutherford is a huge fan yeah. of yeah. those type of homes. He, 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 uh, he's, he's watching. He does a ton ton of that it's if, just I if i were an investor right now and had the funds i'd be going into buckingham and, and buying lots and putting manufacturing homes yeah. on them it's interesting but the numbers are, are showing that the sales prices are going down in buckingham because we're not looking yeah. we're not looking at that in these set of numbers but they're going down but it, it you know the, the, i think it was jamie turner that said may have mentioned this you know look I, this this market that we're in right now is going to be this market for a foreseeable future unless something, you know, none of us at this table know happens that impacts right. us across the board. Is that talking a about Black Swan? I mean, whatever, you know, God forbid something happens that impacts the whole thing. Dr. Lisa Sturvin, I wrote it down. Twenty national twenty percent of the national GDP. No, help me out there. GDP. Thank you. Um, is in the housing ecosystem. Now, I'm not an economist or a PhD or anybody, but I can tell you in the time of great unpleasantness, yeah, I can believe it 20%. I mean, it impacted our country hugely uh, when between 2008 2010. So 20% of our total GDP, if I got that right again, is uh, whatever. I'm dyslectic. I'm reading it backwards. Okay. Is, we know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. do that. But I wanted, I wanted to take something. Two weeks ago on this Friday which I think was the last time I was in the chair. We had 47 it's days. nice to have you back. Dude. Thank you, sir. I, I love, sincerely, hey, uh, I know sincerely you. Yeah, I know, I know. I feel guilty. I, I, I feel guilty every time I go away. But I tell you what, I got Dude, it makes the flow for me. Yeah. But I got so much education. You know, when you're sitting down with the people and just listening to the conversations, it's impactful. But two weeks ago, we only had 46 new homes come on the market. Today, seven days back, at 70. That's a huge jump. I can't remember the last time I'd seen 70. I have to buzz through my phone to go ahead and see the last time. So we now are starting maybe to see the inventory uptick a little bit. Hopefully. I don't know. I don't know if that's seasonal. Maybe it is. Maybe seasonality is back. Seasonality is definitely coming back. I mean, it used to be, particularly in the rural markets, we, we call it a sawtooth effect. You know, certain times of the year, volume was down quite a bit, and then certain times of the year, it's, it's it up quite a bit. Um, but, you know, lately it's just been up all the time so um we, we definitely can use some more inventory for sure yeah um 43 price changes that 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 number is almost double what it was um two weeks ago so you know i think people are going in yeah. having a get a little long on the tooth and starting to reevaluate it look i, I can't overstate to people out there if you're going to put a house on the market it needs to be priced right yeah, there's this thing called stigma that happens to a property that's on the property too long. If it's on the market abnormally long because it's overpriced, people assume that there's something wrong with it. A friend of the program, um, Andrew Hardy, watching the program, a Frank Hardy, not only is he a phenomenal squash player and a great human being, um, I enjoy when he watches the show. Andrew, big ups to you, dog. Um, Jason Howard, I'm going to get to your comments in a matter of moments. I think that just got a chuckle out of my friend, uh, Andrew, right there. This is, uh, this is something that I saw on Twitter yesterday, um, per Black Knight. Mm. Are you ready for this? Yeah. It would take some combination of up to a 28% decline in home prices, yeah. a more than 4% reduction in 30-year mortgage rates, 
or up to a 60% growth in median household incomes to bring affordability back to its 25-year average. The average American buyer faces one of the most unaffordable housing markets in the history of the country where first-time home buyers would need to earn as much as 90 grand in 2022 just to consider a starter home. Yep. Wait till you see what happens when we get 8,000 incremental people moving to the area tied to the $11 billion Amazon investment in Louisa, data science, Paul Manning, and student enrollment expanding. This is the first time I've I've said this on the air, um, but I've just, I'm in the, uh, I just use this term with the Fluvanna leadership. I'm in the program over there that they do to to bring folks interested in helping out with the county and volunteering for the boards along. It's a great program. It really is. There's been some great people go through it. And, um, but you know, we're doing group projects in there. uh, And my suggestion for a group project was to look at bringing more rooftops to Fluvanna because of the housing crisis. We have a housing crisis. It's getting ready to happen. Oh, I think we're in the crisis. I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I don't think you got the political capital to make that. No, happen. it's not going to happen. But we need to be looking at it. And I think the person leading that charge is friend of the program and one of his intimate friends, Chris Fairchild. Chris is a great guy. Chris is a great guy. Yeah, but it, it's he's it's, been straightforward with his platform yeah. from day one. So it's national. I, literally, that's what I talked about for three days. I was on heading up panels about housing affordability and so forth and so on for three days, three days on that. And the consensus of it at the end of the day, the delta between the haves and the haves nots is just going to get wider and wider and wider without um, some sort of, of uh, uptick in product. I mean, it's a simple supply and demand situation. They're, they're, the demand is growing, and they were quoting all kinds of numbers about the millennials and the Gen Zs and all these folks coming in there, but these buyers are coming in. And I've said this on the show before, um, and I got myself into trouble for it, and I guess I'll do it again. You're going to start seeing, and they approved these numbers yesterday, you're going to start seeing some generational conflict. Oh, sure. Right? Between me and the millennial and the Gen Z. And um, what do you mean by that? Because we've got the cash, right? We we got the cash. I sell my house, I cash out on it. Has that already been happening? It's been happening, but it's upticking in such a way that it's I don't think it's ever been seen before, and it hasn't in my tenure. That cash is so prevalent in this market; it's at certain price at price points. But look, here's the reality of it: is um, you cannot build a start a home period end of story you can't get it developed you know uh part of the regional housing partnership uh the elected officials heads blew up when i talked to um keith lancaster of southern development i said keith lancaster tell me how much does it cost to do a townhome lot in almar county seventy thousand dollars that's the cost by the way that's not any profit that's not any that's just a cost then I turn to Stanley Martin Holmes, one of our great sponsors, and say, tell me how much is it going to cost to build a 1,500-square-foot, uh, you know, three-bedroom, two-bath townhome, kind of entry-level right. townhome. You put the two numbers together, that number is minimum 350, 375. 80% AMI in our market can't afford over 200. So who, what the hell is going to happen between the 150 and the 175 delta? Well, the American dream of owning a home is becoming a privilege. It's, yeah. not, it's not something that is going to be attainable for those later generations. Now, as home ownership's a luxury, as we as the uh, 
gen, uh, gen it's X. It's not even home and, ownership. It's just boomers. getting an apartment nowadays. As we get out of the market, um, it, it's it's going to happen. Because, I mean, I, a lot of people that are in their retirement incomes now are not going to move. I mean, they talked about this yesterday. You know, a lot of folks say, well, we're going to retire and go to Florida. Nobody's doing that now. I mean, they're looking at it going, you know what? I've got a 3.5% mortgage, and I'm staying right here. But I, I, I think I, I don't the, the when, right? We've got crystal balls. Nobody knows when the when's going to be. <clears throat> but historically, if you take a look at turns of markets like we have now here, eventually, eventually, Fed's going to lower prime, right? Or lower their interest rate, which is ultimately going to impact the 30-year mortgage. And there's, there's going to be some sort of delta where we are now and where where that number is and it's five nobody really knows let's call it zillow five. did a survey we talked about this on the show earlier in the week zillow said the uh they surveyed a boatload of people that rates have to drop between somewhere five and five point five percent for those of us that secured the two three or four percent rates to even consider listing our homes but but what they don't take into consideration i mean you're talking two and a half point what's it at now seven three seven four yeah and, and I talking a two point drop there, and I think they got an extra point baked in there that there shouldn't be in there, but that's a whole different. Well, if you looked at the the the, uh, the difference now between the Treasury bond and the and the rate, it's hard. It it's it's three percent. It's traditionally always been two percent. Yeah. There's a lot of comments here, and we're at eleven thirty. I want to see if we can get to as many of these as possible because the viewers have been waiting patiently. I'm getting texts, DMs, emails, <laughs> and comments on the streams here. Um, this is a good one from Scott Thorpe. I'm curious of your take on this, fellas. He says, inventory going up, sales slowing, will likely begin to increase price, will likely begin to see more price adjustments, meaning price drops. And he says, you will likely see equity shrink around so, these parts. And he also says, credit card debt does not go down slowly, but home equity can go down quickly. So you're not going to see that. You'll see price deceleration. You're not going to see price depreciation. Do you agree with that? Well, let's look at the city with the upzoning thing coming up. I mean, a lot of my clients right now are investors buying, banking on this upzoning stuff happening. That's not going to make any more houses come on the market. It's less houses coming on the market yeah, because you've got people. Some of these properties don't even list. They just transfer from one investor to the other. And that's, that's inventory that never makes it to the market. And as that becomes more lucrative, uh, more investors are getting involved with it. I mean, yeah. there's a few, like five or six, seven investors here locally that own a tremendous yeah, amount. Yeah, and, and, and I'm, I'm on the record for this. I, I, I did, if and when this gets a, uh, voted on and whatever version it takes, because I'm sure it's going to be regurgitated a couple of times sure. before it happens, it's just not going to have this huge impact on number of, of units. But I'm taking a look at what has changed, these 43 price reductions that has happened in the last seven days. It, it, it supports my argument that it's a deceleration. People went into the market thinking that the, it was higher than what it is. It's not double digits, not high double digits. I think, I think when, when we have a show at the end of the year, we're probably taking a look at an average of somewhere in 6 to 8%, as I think we'll probably shake out at um, appreciation versus this year versus next year. But it's, I, I don't see the numbers going backwards. Certain markets might, certain little pocket markets might. 
go down uh, on it, but I think globally, it's it's a deceleration. It's not a depreciation. Well, there's a, there's a big part of the market too that are entry level that can't buy, and if the market does decelerate some, that might bring them into the look because you know six and a half percent, seven and a half percent for someone getting into the market for the very first time, they got to have a home. Uh, so that's that that's hopefully something. Eighty percent of the people that are selling right now because they have to sell. Uh, Jerry's yep. eleven thirty. I'm you know. Are you free Monday? You want to join? Because it was just Jerry and I. You want to want to pick this up on Monday? Unfortunately, or? I'm going to be in both Milwaukee and Texas next week oh, because I'm you. teaching. So um, I won't be here all next week. Uh, Gwendolyn says 73% of millennials, 25 to 40 years old, are one paycheck away from homelessness. Yeah. She also says home renovation spending is is expected to decrease from yep. 486 billion to 457 billion in 2024. The main driving factors of this decrease include high and rising interest rates, lowering housing price appreciation, and a decrease in home sales. Jason Howard, very quickly, Keith, if you can answer this question. We talked about the drought restrictions in Greene County. They've got a mandatory, mm-hmm. little, literally, the government is telling people in Greene how they can use their water right now. And he says, as a former developer, would Keith be able to offer some perspective on what level of drought someone on a well would worry about um, not getting water. Are they better or worse off than someone on county water? Well water wow. versus county. That's, That's a longer question, the, the, the answer we have here. But um, it's been my experience. Droughts impact wells way, way more than actual. Because, uh, look, a municipality, if there's a low flow into it, they can always build storage, right? It's a matter of money. Right, so Green County, the biggest issue going on over there was I think they've screwed up. They probably should have did an involuntary before a voluntary. The whole area is in a drought. You know, Almar County is the same way. Fulvana County is the same way on it. The, the the issue with Green County is very laser specific because they finally, after years of lawsuits, took uh, sued RSA and owned their their system. There is a approved dam. They, they need $10, 20000000 million to go ahead and bill it. So there's a plan to in, improve it. I, I think from a PR perspective, that was handled rather poorly, and I've told the folks at Greene County that they probably should have came out as a, a little softer instead of... You, did, you didn't know you need your hydrology degree and geology degree today, did you? I did not know that. <laughs> but I, I, can, I can tell you my experience of 37 years of how many years of doing this, I've seen wells fail quite a bit. So, uh, look, it's always well, particularly how long you've had it. Um, I'd bring a well person in there to take a look at it and see how your flow is. Um, you know, sometimes you have to set up, a, set up on them and re-drill them and re-shock uh, them and not shock them. I'm going to slide this to you here. We, we don't have time to get to this one, but this is a damn good one here for you. You might want to send it to Keith here. That uh, particular viewer is asking for uh, DL um, and anonymity there. It's about a piece of property on Locust Avenue. Um, all right, that's the show. Guys, we'll, we'll look at that on Monday. I did not get to all the comments today. We just ran out of time. Um, Roger Voisinet says, fantastic show. Thanks to all involved. Thanks, Roger. So um, put, it, put it on your calendar the first Monday of next month. You know, uh, we're going to have Woody in here. We're going to tear into September's numbers and, and keep on going. Claire, Claire All France, thank you kindly for watching the show. Oh, if I didn't Claire. get to your comment, I apologize. We, just, we are out of time here. Um, Woody Fincham is a Fincham and Associates. Dude is a badass. I mean, he's a rock star here. Fincham and Associates. Woody, thanks for doing this. Gwendolyn says, great, fantastic show. Um, 
Keith Smith is the badass as well. RealtalkwithKeithSmith.com is the website. RealtalkwithKeithSmith.com. One of the principles of Yes Realty Partners. Judah Wickhauer, sounds like we're going to be talking about screen sharing here once the show gets off, <laughs> off air. Uh, my name is Jerry Miller. The I Love Siebel Show is up in 56 minutes. Thank you kindly for joining us. So long, everybody. Tell Smith you can't do it. <laughs> Great dude. Great show. He's going to tell us.